1: Welcome to Sideline Sanity with me, Michelle Tafoya, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There has never been a better time to invest in precious metals. Go to LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. Coming up, are you a fan of PragerU, Prager University? I am. I have done their shows. And one of their fastest rising stars joins me next.
0: For nearly three decades, she's reported the action from the sidelines.
1: Well, I've long been a fan of Dennis Prager, Prager PragerU. I've done one of his five-minute sort of um, classes online, and I I, I love the man. And I respect everything he does and everyone he brings on board, and that includes today's guest. Amala Epunobi is a rising star on Prager University. I'm so glad you could join us, Amala. Thank you so much.
2: Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure.
1: Likewise. I'm going to just... Cheat here and read from the, the little bio they put on Pregger. U. Raised in a far left activist household, 20 year, 21 year old Amal Epinobi was once a student organizer for the left. Unanswered questions and a search for the truth led her to a complete ideological transformation. So, I guess the first thing I want to ask you is what you remember about your experience of being raised in what is called a far left activist household.
2: Sure. Yeah, I I think about this a lot and I I go back in the past retrospectively to to sort of grapple with where I was politically, but I was raised by a single mother of three. Uh, She happens to be white. Not that that's important to me, but it does become important to the story. And she worked as an organizer for a far left organization and she continues to do so. She does fundraising for a lot of the leftist movements that you see working in the state of Florida right now. So From a really young age, as as a biracial daughter to a white mom, she made me really cognizant of my race, of my gender, and I've I've got plenty of stories and in times where she told me, you know, life could be a little harder for you because you were born black in a white America. So from a really young age, that was just the teaching that I had, and I internalized that in a lot of ways.
1: Where did you fall in the birth order of the three siblings? I'm the middle child. <laughs> the middle child. Well, it's, I, I find all that stuff fascinating because I think there are interesting dynamics at play depending on where you are in the birth order. Now, d- did your what do you have sisters, brothers? Yes, I have an older brother and then a younger sister. And, and did they, uh, they were raised the same way, I suppose? Very similarly
2: to me, I took to it a little bit more. I was super passionate about politics from a really young age, and I wanted to sort of follow in my mother's footsteps and do what she was doing.
1: Well, clearly something changed. What, what happened?
2: Yeah. So I I worked as an activist for quite some time on a volunteer basis throughout middle school and high school. And then when I graduated, I thought, okay, there's no need to pursue higher education. I'm going to change the world. Sign me up. I want to be a youth organizer. And I went to my mom and I got hired at her organization. So I was working alongside her day in and day out. And eventually, as I was working there, I just started to notice some inconsistencies in what we were saying versus what we were doing. There was a lot of blatant racism towards white people that was just constantly going on in between the walls of where I was working. And I was dealing with that nine to five every day and then going home to my white family, my mom, my grandparents, who had cared for me my entire life. And my grandparents happened to be conservative. So I was hearing all these nasty things about what it meant to be white in America and then coming home to this loving family. And eventually I just couldn't hold those two thoughts in my brain at the same time.
1: You're a wise and smart young lady, and so <laughs> what? Where did then the discovery start? That that is clearly a contradiction you were seeing in the world, and so yeah. what did you do about it?
2: You know, I I took it to the higher ups at the organization because I had a lot of unanswered question questions alongside the whole racism thing. And I I went to him and confronted the the VP of the organization. And when confronted with what I had to say, he looked at me and told me, you don't know how oppressed you are. It's not my job to teach you about that oppression. It's not my fault. You're not as angry as you should be. And I went, okay, I think I'm in the wrong room, Michelle. And yeah, I ended up, as any young person would just going to the internet and searching up, you know, different things and different issues that I was concerned about, not really with the intent of changing my mind. i wanted to reinforce what I believed. And I ended up finding people like PragerU and Tom Soul, who I now have behind me on my set. And I watched their videos and my complete and utter outlook changed on everything.
1: It is amazing because that has been the mission of Prager University. And in you, you're a, you're a living example of how their mission is getting accomplished. My brother likes to call it, uh, you, you eat an elephant, just one bite at a time, you know, and, and it's, <laughs> it's slow, but sure. Uh, but it's really interesting. Was there any particular episode or something that you saw of Thomas Sowell that made you go, kind of like hit you like a ton of bricks?
2: Yes. Yeah, so with with PragerU specifically, I found this five minute video that they created with a man by the name of Sheriff da- David Clark. Mm. And the video was titled Cops are the Good Guys. And I saw the title of this video and I thought this is going to be some racist piece of propaganda. Let me click it. I'm going to watch it. It's only five minutes. And I got to the end of it hearing this former black police sheriff Talk about his experience. Talk about the stats when it comes to police brutality. And I got to the end and I thought, oh, no, I'm wrong. And it was a really hard thing to admit internally. I wanted to just push back and say, no, everything that I've been taught has been completely right. But what that video sparked in me was you know, questioning if I'm wrong about this, what else could I be wrong about? And I went down the rabbit hole and found and found Tom Sowell and eventually went and bought his book. And and the book that hit me the hardest was uh, Discrimination and Disparities, where he basically debunks all these ideas we have about institutionalized racism. And I I just couldn't believe it. And it was really hard to admit that, you know, I was wrong about this.
1: What is remarkable to me, and I give you great credit, is that that probably was extremely difficult. And some people will not confront the issues. And, and I've, I've got them in my family. They won't confront the issues. They won't read the stats or they'll find their way around it. They'll just finesse their way around it and, and never really come to the realizations that you have. So my next question is, what did your mom think about all this?
2: <laughs> well, I I always say, you know, I had to come out of the closet as a conservative, essentially, <laughs> to my mother. And she was not happy. And I, I completely understand. You know, she dedicated her entire life to this uh, ideology. She still continues to. And I think for her, I was just... A child that was going to carry on and follow in the footsteps. So, to have that completely crash and burn in front of you, I imagine is a difficult thing for both conservatives and progressives. So, she was angry. There was definitely a period of a few months where every time we got together, there was some contentious argument about a social issue or news that was happening in the background. But eventually, we were able to decide maybe politics is not a huge part of our relationship and we can just keep our mother-daughter dynamic because that's more important than any of the issues that we could argue
1: about. That's a, that's beautiful. And people could learn from that example. I, again, I refer to my own family. We all have our stories, right? But there are still some fractures in my family based on politics and it's very difficult. So now, yeah, my sister and I are trying to bond over things like baseball, and, <laughs> and right? you know maybe keep keep it to that because uh, otherwise <laughs> it's it can get off the rails pretty quickly. It's it's a remarkable story, uh, and then your grandparents, you said, are conservative. What do they make of all of this?
2: You know, I I really never realized, you know, where my grandparents stood politically, you know, through my childhood, I noticed that they watched a lot of Fox News every time I was at their house that would be on in the background, but they were just conservative in in lifestyle. They led by example. So so when I came to them and said, hey, I, I think I'm on your side now, they just, you know shrugged and said, well, I think that's great. And I, I love to see where you go with it. And it wasn't really a big event like it was with my mom.
1: <laughs> right, right. It wasn't like this big party, <laughs> like, oh, yes,
2: certainly not.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Unapologetic with uh, Amala is the name of the show. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, it's getting a lot of attention, which I love. So when we come back, I want to take on a couple of issues with you of the day. Amala Epinobi. Don't pronounce the K, folks. You'll see it there, but it's silent, (laughs) you know, which is kind of neat. All right. Right back with Amal after this. One of my favorite presidents of all time was Ronald Reagan. And he once said, all great change in America starts at the dinner table. And there's no company doing more to get people to the dinner table than Good Ranchers. Good Ranchers delivers a 100% American meat experience to your door. This is phenomenal. They guarantee you the meat is born, raised, and harvested here in the US. Uh, trust me, you don't get that from about 85% of the beef that you buy in the store or online. You know where it's coming from with Good Ranchers, and you know who you're supporting. And by the way, they support us, so we support them. They also happen to have great-tasting chicken, seafood, and beef. So why not buy your meat from a company that strengthens the American farm? Supporting American causes can feel great, but it also can taste great with good ranchers. Maybe it feels overwhelming to get everyone to the table, but with good ranchers, it's very easy. Even if you can't get everyone, you can have these individually frozen packets of chicken. Some of it's already seasoned, beef, steak. So if you can't get everyone, maybe just get a couple of you, throw them on the grill, throw them in the oven, whatever you want to do. It's great stuff. I did it over the holiday weekend. Everybody loved Good Ranchers. It's not like one delivery's great and then the next one is okay. Every box is superior quality. So Good Ranchers supports American agriculture and business. They support this show. So I support Good Ranchers. Go to GoodRanchers.com, use my code Tafoya, T-A-F-O-Y-A. That will get you $30 off your order, plus free express shipping. You can make gatherings around the table common again. Go to GoodRanchers.com slash Tafoya or use Tafoya in the code at checkout. Great change comes at the dinner table. Great food comes from Good Ranchers. Back with Amala Epinobi of Prager University, Prager U, as it's often called. One of the uh, titles of your podcast recently was Hating America Has Become the New Trend. And I and it's, you know, I you're way too young for this, but I hearken back to, and I'm too young for this too, but I remember post-Vietnam, I was a little kid and there was a lot of hatred toward America going on, hatred toward the military, et cetera. And I feel like we're having that same sort of um, shudder through America right now, this sort of spasm of hatred. And as it does, usually it's coming from hard left activists in Hollywood, academia, et cetera, the media. Is there a solution here? Or is this just a small enough group that we really don't need to worry? Or do you think they are more more influential than we maybe realize. I I think it's, you know, it's a double-sided problem.
2: I think there is a small fringe group of people who represent the more extreme ends of the argument. But unfortunately, those people have infiltrated the the upper echelon jobs of nearly every major industry of influence here here in America. We're talking media. We're talking our public schools, our public institutions, Hollywood. So when you have that fringe group of people dictating virtually what everybody sees, hears and thinks, we have a problem. And I think for me, being a member of Gen Z, I see it being particularly pervasive with With young people. I'm on social media, Instagram, TikTok, and you hear young people just spitting on the Constitution. They have a very little understanding of American history. They hate the founding fathers. And when you lack that understanding of what America was and what it is meant to be, I mean, who cares if it burns down? So that's where we're at, I think.
1: It's it's really troubling to me. I have two teenagers now, and I think about their future all the time. And I used to kind of laugh at people who said, oh, I'm worried about my kids and my grandkids. Well, now I'm worried about my kids and my future grandkids. And I, I see this, and it is in a lot of school systems. And this is where it bothers me the most, where kids should be being taught all kinds of history. We seem to be focusing really on framing it in a way that, you know, Uh, It's built on slavery and it's awful. And all these people were white supremacists and the constitution is built on slavery. And we've made corrections throughout our history. Is it perfect? Mm. No. Is it ever going to be? No, I I don't think so. So, and certainly socialism is not going to be the great equalizer, dear God. Uh, So, (laughs) so when it's, do you get the sense that some people are seeing how, just how far left, like the, the NEA the other day saying, we want to call mothers the, the birthing parent. Mm-hmm. I got so pissed off, Amala, because because I'm a mom. I love being called mom and mommy, and I love calling my mom a mother, and this word has been around forever, and it's it's mm-hmm. filled with love and spirit and, and genuine care. And unless it's used in a different way, and then it's not so much. But you get the idea. Um, right, y- right. You know, I just wonder if the pendulum has swung so far, that we may come back at least a little bit more toward the center. What What do you think of that idea?
2: I I completely agree with you. I think what the mistake that was made, particularly with the progressive left, was coming out with this radical ideology a little bit too soon. You know, you got to dip people's toes in the water when it comes to saying things like we're getting rid of the words man and woman. But they came Mm -hmm. at us full force with things like gender ideology, the critical race theory in schools, completely focusing on diversity of skin color and gender more than anything else. And I don't think they were anticipating people looking at that and saying that doesn't sound very reasonable. And and what I hope to see in just the next few years is, is not just the, the right coming up and attacking progressives and beating them down and all this stuff, but just reasonable people saying, you know yeah. what, this is not sustainable. You know, I yeah. want to call my mom, mom, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. I want to be judged based on my merit. I don't want to be judged based on my skin color. And I have faith that people are reasonable enough to come to that conclusion on their own.
1: I think a lot of people have and one mm-hmm. of the, the fear factors is coming right out and saying so. Right. And so that we, the loudest voices are the ones on either side of the political spectrum, screaming and shouting across the rest of us and meeting here at this, this outrage point while all of right. us are kind of sitting here going, um, we'd really love to speak out, but we might get canceled or we might lose our job or we might lose our friends or our family. So I'm just going to shut up and let these two sides go at it. Uh, but I think there are a lot of us that are sort of reasonable and sane and occupying this middle ground. Am I overly optimistic or do you share that?
2: No, I I agree with you. I think there's a lot of people who are there and they are just quietly there. My one fear with that idea, though, is that I think a lot of people are looking up at mom and dad fighting each other. And instead of looking at the ideology and going, there's a problem with the ideology, they're looking at the system itself and saying there's a problem with the American system. And this is something that's going to need to be altered. I see a lot of Gen Z people who are attributing this to the way the country was founded, how we've set up our government and things like that. So, if they become disillusioned with how things are set in place uh, we have a problem so hopefully they can just recognize this is an ideological problem we can solve this with reason and logic and just by having these conversations and that will take care of what we're dealing with right now
1: oh i really i really hope that's the case you're giving me a little bit of hope because you're from a different generation it's not like i'm (laughs) this old lady but you get what i'm saying I I totally get it. (laughs) (laughs) I want to hear from Amala the response that she's getting from people, the Gen Z generation, or even people who are older or younger than she is. We'll do one more segment with Amala right after this. You know, since November of last year, the stock market has plummeted. You've seen it. But gold has been on the rise. We've all seen that. Gas prices are a joke. The stock market is extremely volatile. Inflation is worse than it was a year ago. And then we've got this war between Ukraine and Russia, and we just hope it ends soon. The markets don't like all this instability, but the good news is you have options. Gold prices are rising as investors turn to gold for protection. Gold provides a hedge against inflation and protects against a weakening dollar. Legacy Precious Metals is the only company I trust for investing in gold and silver legacy precious metals you need an investment that's going to protect your wealth and retirement so call them legacy precious metals call them today be proactive while there's still time i mean i hate to bring up 2008 but those who invested in gold saw huge gains and others simply lost their retirements legacy precious metals can advise you of all your options for investing in gold and silver you can speak to an ira expert at legacy precious metals what do you have to lose just ask them your questions, 866-528-1903, 866-528-1903, or download their free investor's guide at LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. Her show is on PragerU. You can find it. Uh, and she is a remarkable young woman who found her way to reason on her own, Amala Epinobi. So clearly, you're out there now. You're an influencer. You're a voice. Yep. and you're speaking to. I would guess a lot of your own age range. What kind of what What are you getting back? What kind of feedback do you get? I mean, because there there can be some really malicious hatred that could come back your way. What's it been like?
2: Yeah, you know, when I first started making these videos, there was a big, I think, shock factor uh, because I was doing something that had only been done by a few people before, uh, unfortunately. But I got so much hate. People coming at me, calling me a house Negro, a race traitor, an Uncle Tom, telling me I should turn in my black card, things like that. And I was prepared for that because I'd worked for the left and I know what my response would have been four years ago to somebody saying that. So I dealt with that. Uh, And and the rush of that hate and eventually just the support that I got was overwhelming, all of that. And every now and then I'll make an episode that is particularly controversial to some people. And I'll get a wave of of leftists coming at me with with death threats and and things like that. But it's most likely overshadowed by the support that I get on any given day.
1: How much do you worry about those death threats?
2: You know, I, I go through phases. I'm definitely... Hyper vigilant when I'm out in public spaces. I'm constantly scanning and looking around me because there have been some that have been particularly <laughs> detailed when it comes to my my personal life. But you know, I I just let it wash off my back most of the time. Uh, I think what the internet has done for A lot of people is just giving them anonymity and they feel comfortable in that anonymity saying anything that comes to their mind. So uh, like water off a duck's back most of the time.
1: Well, and you have to be fearless to be in this, right? I mean, you've got to just say what I'm doing requires courage. And and so I've got to exemplify courage, which, right? I mean, don't you think you have to demonstrate that in order for that to, I, I think it also shuts them up a little bit.
2: Oh, absolutely. When I get hate messages, I think the best thing that you can do is either A, not read them and not give them any attention, but B, if you do, just laugh, just laugh because it's what people are looking for is just this huge response from you. They're looking for anger. They're looking for sensitivity. And if you don't give them that, they're not going to give you their time anymore.
1: That's uh, one of the things I try to tell my kids and try to tell my viewers is if you apologize, then they'll keep coming at you. Until they shut you up completely, if you don't apologize, if you really believe what you're saying, what you're speaking, what you represent, don't apologize, and eventually they're going to just scoot off and find another target. I think I think that's the way to go. So that's yeah. that's very wise of you. Uh, you're right. We're still right in the middle of the Roe v. Wade. You know all the the fallout from that. Um, how have you addressed it, and and what do you think? just the hyperactive rage is going to do come November.
2: You know, I think really so much of this is theater. When I watched the, the protests that are happening outside the Supreme Court, and I see these young women who have taken the time to write little puns and jokes on their signs, I think a lot of people sit on the edge of their seats waiting for moments like this because they want to be outraged. They want to be out there. They want to have the story that they tell their kids. Oh, you know, in, in 2022, I was outside the Supreme Court protesting. And for the most part, life goes back to normal. I'm really so over the cyclical outrage waves that we go through, it seems like every single week in America. Uh, But more so than anything, the way that I approach it is you just got to understand the the Supreme Court has decided to give the states their rights back on this issue and allow them to make the decision, which means your elected representatives are making the decision, meaning you now have a voice on the issue. And that seems to go over people's heads.
1: It's amazing. And this is, again, going back to what you said about schools and what we all know to be true is that they're not really teaching civics in the way that kids can understand the Constitution, understand what their rights are. They are teaching kids that the system is pretty much against you unless you're white and male. And, you know, and and that is, I take particular offense. Look, I'm brown. My background is brown. My husband is very white. <laughs> so our son, <laughs> <laughs> our son is, 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 you know, he, he's considered this white male. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I'm, I'm worried. I worry for him in terms of he's, he's these young men who are white, I think are feeling so, um, just attacked and targeted these days. And they're just human beings. He didn't have any control yeah. over this.
2: Right. I mean, I I look at the rise of of somebody like Jordan Peterson and you look at his main demographic of these young white males who are simply looking for direction in a world where they're constantly being shunned away or pushed away or told that they're oppressors. And I think that speaks to it. You got a lot of young people who are going to be looking for an outlet here because they're constantly being attacked. And the same can be said for the, the young black kid too. to grow up and be told that there are all these barriers in front of your success. But wait, they're invisible and you can't see them. But the white people are doing. It. it's just building and fueling a fire of just racial hatred and division and it, it's not going to bode well for anybody in this situation.
1: No, it's not and and I, I get very I mean I get sickened by especially when it goes on in schools and I can mm-hmm. tell you from experience it's going on in private schools, in public schools, all kinds of schools um, and I'm a huge advocate of school choice for this reason but Same. when when kids are being told, that math is racist, that science is racist, and there's that quote-unquote bigotry of, so, uh, the, you know, low expectations, the soft bigotry of low expectations, mm-hmm. uh, you, are, you are taking hope away from kids instead of telling them, we have had an African-American president now, we uh, look at Kamal Harris, look at all these examples of people who have skyrocketed to the tops of their fields. You can do this. I mean, read up from slavery by Booker T. Washington, and you get a pretty good idea of what is possible. But it seems to me, I, I don't know. I read that in high school. My kids are not. Oh, oh
2: what was that? Oh, sorry. Yes. Oh no, okay. that's
1: okay. Are you? We can edit that out. Uh, no worries. It just cut out. Okay, perfect. Oh, did it cut out? Uh, okay. Did yeah. And I, I, So Up From Slavery by Booker T. Washington is one of my favorite books. I don't know if you've had a chance to read it yet, but to me, it spells out that there is hope for a kid of coming from any class, any background, any kind of situation, any skin color, whatever. Why is that not the message? Do we have any idea what the left is trying to accomplish by telling these kids that they don't have that kind of hope?
2: I mean, when you tell a child that, They often couple it with and we're the ones who are going to help you. We're the ones who are going to get you out of this hole that you're in. And I think that's the trick of it all. Uh, You know, when when Lyndon B. Johnson became president, he said, you know, I'm going to have these N words voting Democrat for the next 200 years. And I think that's one of the tricks here. If you teach somebody they're a victim and the only thing that they can get get do to get out of it is. A, support you, and B, teach other people about their victimhood. That's what they're going to do. That is what I did day in and day out working for this organization, and I was completely tricked by that. And then you see these successful black celebrities, authors, athletes, you name it. And even though they've managed to garner success in this country to the tune of millions of dollars, they too hop up on the soapbox and spit the same lies out, not even being able to look at their own success. And that's something that I personally went through. I I grew up in a rural, conservative, white, Christian area in Florida, which should have been the hotbed for systemic racism and i was really successful in school graduated valedictorian but still if you had asked me i would have said america was a racist country and i was sitting in the middle of it it's like we cannot we cannot separate ourselves from narrative versus reality anymore
1: i am so impressed by you i have been impressed by you for a while but talking to Thank you me. now just getting the opportunity to converse with you is it, it, it's it's remarkable to me and it gives me great hope that you can influence others to see what you discovered, to do a little bit of digging, to use their noggins and maybe read something. If, if someone had told you five years ago that you would be where you are right now, what would you have thought? Oh
2: my gosh, I would have laughed in their face. You mean to tell me <laughs> that I'm gonna be working for another side and then talking about how these narratives are harmful for people? I would have laughed in that person's face, but I mean, here I am and it happened. So <laughs> I don't know
1: what else I can say. Well, it's, it's so much in part credit to your your brain, your courage. Uh, and I'm not just sitting here trying to blow smoke. I'm What I'm trying to do is use you as an example. You are an exemplary human being, someone that did the work herself and answered her own questions and didn't just let the narrative stick. And I, I'm so impressed by that because I think it is rare. And my hope is that people listen to you, tune into your podcast, watch you and understand what is possible and that you can be okay with it and that you can say to yourself, oops, I was, maybe I was wrong. Maybe I was wrong. And, and I, so kudos to you for the courage, kid. I, I think it's fantastic.
2: Thank you so much, Michelle. and Thank you for, for having me on. It's It's been great. And I, I hope that more people hear what you have to say as well, because it's, I think it's sorely needed in the country right now. We need
1: sanity. We need sanity. We and so we're going to just keep trying to promote it. Amla, it's been great having you. Check her out at PragerU. Terrific podcast. Terrific young lady. I think you've all discovered that. It's okay that I just called you a young lady, I hope, right? Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I didn't have to call you a young human or something like that and take <laughs> take your gender out of this. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> hey, all the best to you and thank you again. This has been Sideline Sanity. She's Amala Epanobi. Find her at PragerU. I'm Michelle Tafoya. See you next time. So with the economy the way that it is, which is not... Great. Makes you think about what is smart investing these days. I was given a gift of gold by my mom. My husband and I were gifted some gold for a wedding anniversary, and we're really grateful. And I am really grateful to Charles Thorngren, who gro- who joins us now from Legacy Precious Metals, a sponsor of Sideline Sanity. Charles, we appreciate you so much. You know, we're hearing more and more about how inflation ain't transitory after all, <laughs> and it may be here a while. And you know, food shelves are getting the lines are longer. It, this is really, it's not the America I grew up in, and it's it's worrying a lot of people. So, if someone's thinking about investing, what do you tell them?
0: You, you know, it's it's an interesting conversation. Investing nowadays, uh, we, we want to go back to kind of the basics, really, where diversification has always been key, and and we hear it, you know, we've been told it ad nauseum, you know, diversify, diversify, and then everyone puts all their money in the stock market and wonders (laughs) why when there's a pullback, they're in trouble. Diversity means asset class diversity as well. You know, some real estate, um, some precious metals. These are the things that gives your portfolio the legs to stand through all the storms that will happen financially. And, and, And we know that they happen. They happen continuously and they recur. So that's what diversity is truly meant to do. And that's why people used to talk about diversity.
1: So when people see the value of the dollar declining or they see inflation, um, how do you get the average person like me to understand that gold can still be appreciating or that gold can protect against that stuff? How how does that make sense for people? You know,
0: the the easiest way to look at it is if you look at gold, right? Gold is the anti-dollar investment. As a dollar gets weaker, gold gets stronger. And we know that because... It takes more dollars to buy that gold, just like cars cost more now, right? Um, anytime you have inflation, the item that you're buying costs more. The difference with gold is that it doesn't devalue. It's considered a alternative currency. Basically, when you say that I don't have complete faith that this financial system is not built on a house of cards, or I don't have complete faith in, in what the current Fed is doing to fight inflation. This is where gold comes in. And this is where we see people increase their amount of gold because a diversified portfolio should have some gold regardless. We need to remember that the United States Fed says 2 to 3% inflation is ideal. So that means for the average saver, if your retirement account's invested, and it's based in dollars that you're going to lose 60% of your purchasing power to inflation by the time you're ready to retire. And that's under the best of terms. And now we can talk about the, Oh, it's transitory. Oh no, maybe I was wrong. Um, Maybe we need to do half basis points every month for the rest of the year and then see where it's at next year. These are scary things that Mm -hmm. the experts are trying to tell us that maybe we didn't have it right. And this is why people have gold. And this is why, it offers that protection.
1: It's interesting. Uh, I, you know, I think people think, well, if I'm investing in gold, do I actually possess the gold in, you know, I have it in a safe? Do I have? How do you get gold? How do you keep gold?
0: Right, and, and physical gold. I mean, this is what we do. So yes, if you're buying it outside of an IRA, we can deliver it right to your home, and you can put it in your own safe. You can put it in your safety deposit box. If you don't feel comfortable with that, we do offer storage for our clients as well. OK, so there's lots of options uh, in the IRA. It's stored for you, just like your IRA account. You don't have access to those stocks. So if you were to take funds from your IRA, you could make that investment and you'd have the retirement account invested in the precious metals as well. And it would be handled just like every other IRA account.
1: That's really interesting. And, and now I'm going to ask you a tough one and I hope you'll forgive me, but I'm just going to be candid uh, and, and a- ask what I think might be coming to people's minds if the experts in washington are making all these mistakes or they were wrong about inflation then they're going to look at you and say hey charles why should i trust what you're telling me and why legacy precious metals is the place to go i'm I'm asking this in an honest way because i because i i know you want to be transparent about this stuff so how would you answer that
0: you know really is is i'm not a politician um (laughs) <laughs> I have no desire to be a politician. I like what I do, right? I help people prepare their finances. I help people with their retirements. I help people set up their funds so that their children and their grandchildren have something that's there. This is what I do. This is what I do for uh, enjoyment. Um uh, very big in economics. Um, um, but metals is that thing that It's an alternative asset, right? When I was a stockbroker 30 plus years ago, it was unique kind of then. And then everybody was a stockbroker and everyone had stocks and there was nothing different. There was no protection. Everyone said the same thing to me. It didn't make sense for everyone to be doing the same thing. If we all do the same thing, then we all fall together. And we know that if you follow the government's direction you're buying into whatever they want to sell you. Now it used to be politics was a little different. We've gotten into a place where we can't say that anymore. It's not always for the people. It's we see that we see that what they're doing with the economy itself. We know that we have to have something else. And this is why we do what we do here at legacy. And my history is, is why people should, you know, give us a call, chat with us and see if it makes sense for them.
1: Last thing I want to ask you about is I remember 2008, and I know a lot of people Mm do. And, you know, that was a crash, and there have been other crashes. But why is it that when the economy crashes, gold has historically risen? I know you said it's sort of the anti-dollar. Right. Is there a way in layman's terms to explain why that happens?
0: It's, It's the safe place right? When, when there's so much risk out there and people are losing so much money, they just want safety. Mm-hmm. So l- let's look at inflation. We know right now we're running close to 8.5%. Yeah, We can dig some real numbers out there and we can debate that, but we'll just take that number as it is. We'll use 8%. That means everything costs you 8% more this year than it did last year. And we know it's going to go higher because the Fed's already promised us a lot more interest rate, raises right to fight inflation but we know it's not enough when they say things like we'll try to raise half a basis point five times over the next six months and see where the economy's at next year that in itself lets you know you need to find something that doesn't put your livelihood in their hands they're they're juggling an economy and the stock market. And it was never meant to be that way. So you have to protect yourself. And this is where gold comes in because it is the anti-dollar. The weaker the dollar gets, the stronger gold gets. And, you know, 2008, I remember after it happened, um, the people that would call and try to salvage their retirement accounts and it was a very devastating time. People would call and they would be crying that they can't retire now. They have to continue to work. They're 67 years old and their plans are gone because they lost half their value. And that's devastating. you know. But this is where those who were involved in gold, they saw gold almost double in price. It offset the losses.
1: It offset the losses. So again, Charles is not suggesting that you put all your money in one no. place, that not even gold, but- diversify your assets and precious metals is a good way to go. And legacy precious metals is the only company I trust when I talk about and do my investing in gold and silver and you can contact them as well. Legacy PM investments.com legacy PM investments.com. I don't know why you would waste another minute thinking about it. Just talk to them. I mean, just ask them, see what your situation can, can manage and handle and might require and just get some answers. Uh, Charles, I appreciate your time. Thanks for this. It's been very educational.
0: My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you.